Welcome, welcome again to another rendition um, of our uh, awesome series, Being Conformed to His Image, looking specifically at this fantastic theme of priestliness, uh, like we've been talking about. It's not the sort of thing that you hear um, in really in this modern world, being a priest, but actually from, um, from God's perspective, it's a absolutely essential part of what it means to be this people of God. Um, and so we're going to continue unpacking that this evening. Um, it's 5.55, so I reckon we're going to have a, a solid uh, half an hour to about um, 6.30 on the panel. Don't laugh. <laughs> You're looking at Chris and Paul, eh? You know, these guys are just the talkers. <laughs> um, um, and then we've... <laughs> Um, sweet. Cena's going to keep time. Um, and then it would be cool if we can um, break into groups um, and dialogue at a few questions um, to look at. Sweet as? Cool. All right. So this evening we're going to look at Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8. Um, and there's some awesome things in here that um, I'd, I'd love for our, our panel to pull out this evening. Um, the title here in the NASBY is A Better Ministry. Um, so I'll just read it and then we'll, uh, then we'll unpack it. All right, now the, now the main point in which has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. (coughs) Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle, For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he also is the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says... Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen, and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me, from the least to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. When he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete but whatever is becoming obsolete is growing old, is ready to disappear. Interesting little passage, eh? Powerful little passage. Um, and like the last few weeks, we've been looking at this theme of priestliness. 
And we see here, particularly in the book of Hebrews, the, the writer, who we actually don't, don't know who this guy was historically, um, but obviously a man of incredible revelation. But he's sharing here about the, the, um, about the difference between this old, um, this old covenant and the new. He's talking about this physical tabernacle that was built. And it was built back in the time of Solomon. And I was just reading and pondering on this passage um, this week, and it was quite an incredible and a miraculous thing um, that people had to actually assemble the tabernacle outside and, and bring it into the place where the, the temple was to be set up because they couldn't have um, any sound of a chisel or a hammer or any man-made um, thing that was part of the assembly of this tabernacle. And when this, this tabernacle, this temple was completed, it talks about the, the temple being filled with this thick black cloud of smoke, which was at the time represented the presence of God. And so you have here a physical temple, and there was incredible, miraculous things that were taking place within this temple. But here in Hebrews, we see that even this physical temple wasn't enough, that God had a better idea in store than just this physical temple that man would come into and even meet with the manifest presence of God. He had something better in mind um, for what this temple was always to represent, which he says was a shadow of the things to come, a shadow and a copy of heavenly things. It had, a, it had a form and it was incredible and it represented something in God, but there was something even greater than God's miraculous presence descending on this physical temple. And so that's what I'm keen for us to, to look at and, un, and unpack tonight. So what I th- thought we'd do is we'll start from the beginning of chapter 8 and we'll just work our way through and, um, and see how we go. Sweet as, you guys ready? Sweet, born ready. All right. Now the main point in which has been said is this, we have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not man. Guys, I'll be keen to hear, what is this true tabernacle that he's talking about that wasn't pitched by man, but by God himself. Who'd like to, to kick us off? <laughs> I heard Chris. <laughs> I, actually, I actually have a question and it's kind of derailed me a little bit. Um, I was thinking about this in regards to the, tab- the tabernacle that Moses set up in, in the wilderness as opposed to the tabernacle set up by Solomon. Which is the temple? Yeah, just wanted to make sure I'm on the right page there. Um, yeah, there's so many ways to go there on that because the the tabernacle that Moses set up, obviously, it was um, this tent, basically a tent. You know, it's set up and it, it comes goes up and comes down, and it was made according to all these specific instructions, really specific instructions. You know, and um, yeah, I was I was just thinking, I mean, for me, I think, obviously, we are the new tabernacle, the, the this building that isn't made with hands, we the church. Um, I was thinking about how, 
the person that, as a builder, the person that loves the house the most is the owner of the house. You know, it's like if, if you, you think things, as a builder, there's so many things to think about. There's one person that's thinking about them more than you are, and that's the owner of the house because they're living with the things that you've made. They're living with the things that you've built. And you can't care too much about the details as a builder because inevitably the owner cares more than you do. And there's this thing that um, I often hear, and I hadn't really thought about it until tonight when I started, today until I started thinking about this, when it says, um, oh, I'll see if I can find it. It's in Hebrews 3. And it says, For this one... Uh, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Um. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. And for me, there's just this one thing that trumps the owner of the house. That's when the owner of the house is the builder. So if you ever go to buy a house and you hear, oh, it was a builder's house, it actually goes up a level. Because the builder is building his own house. And it's not just that someone's built it for him, he's built it for himself. So he cares as much as the owner and the builder. And I just see that in the son, you know, he was the builder of his own house. And, you know, we, we obviously haven't quite answered the question yet about this. this uh, I'm getting there. I'm setting us up, setting us up for a win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you're answering, bro. <laughs> and uh, and so he's so obviously he's the builder of his own house. Gosh, I've just derailed myself right then. <laughs> Set us up too much. <laughs> uh, look, I, th- I think it's, it was awesome because I mean I was singing the same thing, just the same I was speaking. Thought, this one's for Moses, and it made me even. Sorry, just to clarify, I am mixing two. Sc- two pa- passages up but it's used interchangeable and in further oh, on places okay. So, okay, good, good. just so that you don't think I'm preaching heresy <laughs> the church it talks about in, in further on it talks about the tabernacle and it talks about the church of God being the temple as well so I am using two different typologies I'm not trying to say that this is the physical temple so anyway here you go didn't doubt you for a second <laughs> the, the, but the thing that you know and I need to go back and look myself in this, but I'm not too sure that there, like originally, originally needed to be the tent. There needed to be, there was going to be the temple, and that there's a foreshadow of things to come, and just like you say, you know, that there's a, this greater glory, and as amazing as this was, that, that this must be built. Be careful that you build this according to the pattern that I show you. Why? Because I want a neat tent, or want a neat temple building no because it's a, it's a shadow of something that was to come that there's a something that is of a much greater glory than this this 
temporal temple. This, this thing that's only going to be for a time, for it's a foreshadow of something, is here for a reason now um, because of choices that you've made. You know, this, it's actually here to protect and to guide you. But for something that's greater, don't don't keep looking at the house, at the temple, and which is what they defaulted to. Because particularly when they moved from the tent, and and there's so much that is in there that is symbolism, because it's it's pointing always to Christ, mm. even down to things you know that when you start to look into this, why the silver um, bases to the posts that would hold the screens around. Silver itself represents them. It represents blood. It's found and 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 held together on the blood. If you don't, if you don't start to see these things, it's got to get more silver. Oh, we need silver. Silver's cool, except for the guy that has to polish it. But it's it's you know silver's important. We need silver. Yeah, but why is it important? It's always pointing to Christ, the greater glory that's to come. And so it came to the point when they all then stood and they'd moved from the the temple now from the tent to the temple and we're going look how awesome this is yeah but you're looking at something made of stone and going i'm looking at a signpost and without the eyes to see what are you talking about it's it's a it's a temple and there's something greater so this pattern is so important but if i miss if i miss the pattern i miss what this is about i miss the signpost that's pointing to something that's much greater, and I I lose sight of what the building pattern is. So I now start building something different. Yeah, for me, I, when I read the whole, I just read who we're called to be. You know, it's the fulfilment of what was started before the foundations of the earth being outworked. So it's a better ministry. So at the appropriate time, everything was right in him. But we're, we're not then, we're now. And so it's just this clear message of, really it's about us. It's about who we're called to be. Priests. It's about him, but it's about us. It's about us, but it's about him. And so... There was this way of living and this covenant, and this is all the fulfillment of this covenant, which is a fulfillment, not a different. So you, by now, are going to have this presence which came into a thing called the Holy of Holies within you. And I'm going to write my laws on your mind and heart because you're the modern-day temple, tabernacle. It's called the house of the Lord. You're the house that holds the presence. So in simple terms, that's what I see it as. I just see it, it's, it's this fulfillment of what was spoken before the foundations of the earth being fulfilled because we are Israel. So we have been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, not a people by bloodline, a people of the spirit. So it's just the fulfillment of the pattern that was established before the before time began being outworked. It's the completion of it. And so we, us, are the house. We're the body that is to look and act like the body. Sons that creation is longing for who know their authority, know their father, and live as if they know it. 
So it's the beautiful fulfillment of what was in place before the foundations of the earth for us. Christ is the one who came to fulfill it, and he's building his church, which is us. And I love that that's what God had in mind right from the beginning, before a first tabernacle or temple was ever created. You know, that, that God's first place intention was always that this would be his people that he wanted to form and shape and mould into the image of the sun. Hey, so. like, can I ask you guys a question? What's the modern day pattern for the building of the house? So there is a pattern to build a tabernacle and there was a pattern to build a temple. What's the modern day pattern to build the house, you and I? No, 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 no. What's the the fivefold? So the fivefold is the modern day pattern, along with the Holy Spirit. So is your life being built in accordance to the fivefold? Does the church have an apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist actively operating within her? Does every church have it operating because God gives the gifts for the building of the house? Does He not? Are we not the most precious? house and all those three so to not know the pattern and if you have the pattern but you don't understand the pattern or you don't honour the pattern or you don't receive from the pattern, what's not happening and if there's no building what's not happening you're dead, you're not living as you're called to live are you how can you be the demonstration of the manifold wisdom of God on the earth if you don't know how God builds the church and if you're not surrendering to the building pattern of the theocratic kingdom, you're not going to be built because you're outside the pattern. Yeah. And if you don't honour the pattern with humility in your heart, you won't receive the giftings that I send you with power. So you'll get what you've always got, which is in accordance to what? Your building pattern. It's really simple if you can see. Because it doesn't come the way you think it's going to come. It's not an earth up, it's a heaven down. Jesus was the apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. He puts himself into people, sends those people with grace and authority and power to see the church, his body, established on the earth throughout the generations. So it's the fulfillment of what was because through the Holy Spirit, he's going to write, he's going to engrave. Who heard this morning? Right, so we're saying the same thing tonight. He's going to engrave the spiritual manna from above in your heart, Mitch. This is how you get the Word of God. The Spirit of God, through the fivefold, through the Spirit, when it's declared, takes it and engraves it, writes it on your heart and your mind so you can what? See it. So you can live from the power of it, so now you can demonstrate it. It's called wisdom demonstrated on earth, and you've just vindicated it because you're a child of wisdom. Well done. Why? Because you understand the pattern in which God builds. And it's interesting that in Ephesians where it talks about the fivefold, it's, it's not for no purpose, right? There's a very specific purpose attached to God's pattern and design for the church. You know, he says this, to the, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth and love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from who the whole body is fitted together and held by what every joint supplies. You know, and it's like this... This particular pattern that was so essential has a particular outcome attached to it, eh? You know, is that it's, it's not the, the message is not it's all it's not to worship the fivefold. Is that there's been a specific pattern given for a particular kind of outcome that to receive these gifts is for your own edification to the end of becoming at this mature man in Christ, hey? So. Yeah, it's. It, give me the words. Like, do we grasp who we're actually supposed to be, and how we're supposed to live? Like, I'm not sure we do. I think we go through services and prayer meetings and conferences, and we leave not grasping actually who we actually are called to be. So we're not called to be, I love this, listen. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. So if you're of the earth, you can't be a priest of this new order. You might think you are, but you can't, because you're of earth. If he was on earth, he can't be a spiritual priest. He's a priest from another realm on earth, but he's not from earth. But we are all from earth, aren't we? We only know the earth, we only know the temple. We only know how to eat temporal food, which is right in front of us, because the other food's concealed from us but for us. So if you and I are of earth, we are missing the entire point to this, what we're talking about. Missing it 100%, because unless we're living it, we're missing it. Okay, So God establishes a fivefold to see this people group that I'm talking about, who are aliens, sojourners on this earth, on earth now in our lifetime. So if we don't come into and come into this, we've missed it. You've missed your opportunity as a follower, and so you're putting your inheritance on the line to not receive it because you didn't live it while you were here. So you may have been brought up with a form of Christianity. You might have been brought up with Christianity, but not in Christ. In Christ, because I'm born in sin. So I've got to get in Christ. And I've got to know what that means to get in Christ. So why, Greg? So you live as Christ. So I'm playing my part in seeing this body established. But I can't play your part. You have to play your part, which means you have to know your part. You have to hear like I hear. You have to see like I see. And you have to be one with me in the Spirit so we can attain the same thing on earth. It's called being the church who know who they are now and are also going towards into the future. Because this isn't just for now, this is for the future too. But if we just turn up week in, week out, and we're not hearing, then we're staying the same. So we go through forms of godliness, but we're not living godly. And we're missing it. The church has been missing it for 2,000 years, because where is it? Where is this church? See, this is what God's saying. I'm going to write it on your heart. I'm going to put it on your law. You're not going to understand it, learn it, study it. 
I'm going to write it on your heart through my power. Like I wrote on the Ten Commandments, I'm going to write it on your heart. The place of understanding, I'm going to take this word and engrave it with blood. Then you're going to know me. Then you're going to understand me. And then you're going to walk as I walk. Outside of that, forget it. Forget it. you got no show. All you'll be doing is being justified by my blood, but you won't be able to live out my blood. How do we overcome the enemy? By the blood. What is that? It's not just the guy that died on the cross. It's me receiving the blood. Life is in the blood. So it's not me just going, I hear the message and I believe the message. It's me receiving the messenger in me, the blood in me, changes me. I'm now seeing things I couldn't see. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, hasn't entered my heart. What? All that God has prepared for us. Where are you seeing those things? Are you hearing those things? Guys, it's been going out now for 11 years. This is not new. You have heard this 10 years ago, 11 years ago. You heard it five years ago. You heard it last week. But see, if we don't hear it the way we're supposed to hear it, you're like, okay, what? What are you talking about? There's no fivefold in here. It doesn't say the fivefold. says another book. No, it's screaming at it. It's the same thing said differently, but it's the same word. He has to scatter in every book so we get it. Because you don't see it in Ephesians and you don't see it in Philippians and then he gets you in Colossians. <laughs> Hold on a minute, this is the same thing you wrote to. Ah, you're getting it now. It's the entire message from back to front, front to back, and everything in the middle. Amen. <laughs> but see, you can't come in through your understanding, your strength, what you've been brought up with. How do you come into it? What is your faith to rest on? Power of God or man's wisdom. Power of God. It ain't your wisdom. It's the power of God. So you need to know the power of God. You need to know the Holy Spirit who what? Is going to engrave it on your heart. How? Through ink? Through your ability? No, his power is going to come because he's one with you and he's going to literally tattoo it on your heart. This is what God showed me in lockdown. And I received this so I know this. The spoken word gets written on the place of understanding. Yes? Not here. I write it where? On tablets of what? Stone? No, I once did that. That's obsolete. But that had glory on it. I now write it where? On stone? No, on your heart. What happens if God comes along and goes (coughs) with blood and now you see as he sees? What can you do? Live as he lived. How did you get that? Power. Finger. Writes. Not ink. Finger. Writes. Engraves. Now what are you able to do? Speak. Of what? What got written on your heart? See how the pattern continues? God speaks. Man writes. Jesus turns up. Jesus speaks what's written. Holy Spirit takes it. Write it on man's heart. Man speaks. Holy Spirit takes it. Write it on man's heart. Discipleship. So what I'm saying has been written on my heart. And I share it in the hope that your heart's ready to hear it. Holy Spirit's ready to minister to you. But where are you right now? Where are you right now? Really, where are you? 
Where's your posture? Is it here but not here? Are you presently present or just present? Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to be so presently present like Mary. You've got to be sitting ready. Not Martha. In the room but really somewhere else. What are you doing pouring this all over him? What a waste of money. What she's doing will be written for years to come. Two people presently present. Everyone else was somewhere else. Physically in a room. See, there's two kinds within the people group. We're of the same family. You've got to hear this, but there's two kinds. Jesus is looking for his called out ones. His mature church within the church. Hear me? He was looking for Zadok priests inside the priesthood last week. Priests outside of priests. Two kinds of priests. Which one do you want to be? You have a choice right now. Which one do you want to be? Outer court, inner court. Levitical, Zadok. Inner priest, outer priest. You choose. Your choice is yours. But it requires something of a hearing of a word through a particular building pattern. Why is it even there? Oh, I don't know. Well, you need to know. I didn't know. And that's what he started to show me. Then you start looking and go, well, where is it? If this is the pattern that builds the people and it builds the people who are one, it makes sense if there's no outcome, the, probably the building structure's not in place, correct? So God has been putting this in place over years now to see a people receive eternal mana, to be built, to live, to be sons who all of creation longs for. This is us. Who is all authority in heaven and earth given to? Jesus. And who did Jesus give his authority to? The sons that all creation longs for. So sons administer the kingdom where? Here. And then he's coming back. And where are we going to minister? Here again. But in another time frame, in an age to come. But see, we've just been taught, get saved from sin, that's it, wait for heaven. It's not the whole purpose. And so we've got to, we've got to hear the whole counsel of God. And God has sent a fivefold men and women of apostolic, prophetic, teacher, pastor, evangelistical. It's God's boom, 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 boom. I don't know, those just sound a bit weird. If you reject them, you reject Christ. If you deny them, you deny Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says? Don't kill them. They're the keys to knowledge. I don't know where you go from there. <laughs> I, I, I go from there. So um, I'll, 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 I'll have a go. <laughs> uh, for if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. I love that. If he, if he was a... If he was living according to the earth, he wouldn't be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed. And I love that, and I feel like there was such detail and such intention 
around what it was that they were instructed to build that was temporary in nature that caused them to not realize that it was temporary in nature. You know what I mean? It was right in front of them. And this is what we do as people. We have this thing where we're of the earth and we live for what we see. And this is what the priests themselves did. They lived for the temporary. There was such a big deal. There was such a process, all the rest of it. And they lived for this. And you see it going all the way down. And and it went from being something which was a a tent, which was a a big deal because there was so much work involved in it. And everyone was taking it away and moving it, following it where the cloud went. And God was based in there, apparently. Um, and then it turns into a temple which is made of stone and like you were saying Sam stones that you couldn't hear the sound of steel being made on you know whatever and and even so these the apostles that are walking with Christ they go look at the temple they're with Jesus he's talking he's trying to reveal to them this thing this ability to see beyond what it is they naturally see and they go look at the temple and he's like, man, you don't get it. There won't be one stone left on another. He's like, it's, it's still not this. You know, like, you think it's spectacular, and by man's standard, yep, it's probably pretty good. But he just didn't have a, a love for the temple. You know what I mean? It was so out of, out of the box. And I'll read this, and it says in, um, in 1 Peter 2.4, Coming to him as a living stone, Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And, and that word spiritual there for me is so key. This is, this, is a spiritual, this is a spiritual reality. He's not talking about an earthly temple, an earthly tabernacle, something that's done on earth, that's going to make our lives amazing. It's not about the house we live in. It's not about our stuff. It's not about food. It's not about clothing. It's about something that if it was done the way the earth does it, Jesus wouldn't have even done it or couldn't have done it. It's something so much greater, and it goes beyond the flesh. You know, it says that we enter beyond the veil. That's his flesh. And I just see that according to the old way, they were all about trying to do everything that they could. They had the law strapped to their head. You know, they had it written over their houses. They had it in so many ways. And yet he was trying to circumcise the heart, not to have a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh. And it, and it didn't happen. And I guess the, the parallel for me is that it says that the same gospel that was preached to them is preached to us. And we're so clever because we have the value of hindsight. We see what it is that they did and didn't do and got it wrong, but we don't realize, like we should, that we are exactly the same. It's in a different time. We've got technology. It's exactly the same thing. You know, and I think that's, that's such a, a, a key, is, is recognizing that we are the same thing. And you know, I love the starting. You know, the main point of this is, you know, if we if that doesn't grab our attention after reading through and making your way to go, oh, finally, here's the main point. <laughs> this is what it's actually about. And it's going, oh, well, this is going to bring clarity to what everything you've just said because here's the main point. Because mm-hmm. I've missed all that. And then he tells us that that he is 
this high priest that was waiting to come. Now, for these guys, and I was just thinking, Lord, they knew what the Old Testament was because they were living it. They didn't have to learn about the Old Testament. That was their time. They were in it. For us, we get saved, become a Christian, suddenly have to learn our, learn what the Old Testament is in order to figure out, oh, that's what they were doing, not recognising, actually, this is me because I put my form into this. And I love, you know, in, in um, 10 and uh, 11 where he's saying, who's going to do this work? Well, everything I'd learned through Christianity was that I'm going to have to do this. Uh, my job is to do that. Holy Spirit will bring it out. But I need to learn it. I need to get study it. I need to get into the Hang on. Just like God wrote with his finger on the tablets, he says, I will write it on your heart. And that is significantly different to what I can learn up. But, you know, I love this. I, you know, I, I, I know... I know through the experience of walking together and seeing those who who can declare when a word's being spoken that comes with power and a word that has been spoken that's accurate in scripture they're the same words but i know when i'm hearing the difference and receiving what's what's coming from a place that's actually it, it's it's a law that is at work and just, I really believe the Spirit was just speaking to me before about what is this law that he writes on your heart? It's, it's the law of the kingdom of God. It's the way that the kingdom of God is, and it starts to reveal things. So there are things that, that I have to teach, um, Pascal's law and Boyle's law. They're, they're laws of nature, the things that happen. You get a certain amount of, of, of a gas, you keep it at a set temperature, you squeeze it up, Nothing changed except the temperature will change. It's a law that is at work. It just does it. Here's another law. If I run fast into that post, guess who's going to stop? <laughs> the post ain't going to move. You know, it's, it's a law that's at work. It becomes evident by what actually takes place. And so when the law of God, the law of the kingdom of God is written in my heart, then wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. It becomes evident as in who I am. And so it's not the work that I do to try and write in my heart or, or to try and put in my mind, because even in there, when Jeremiah prophesied, this is why it's so clear when you start to see, is that he starts to live out what was written and what was prophesied. So now he starts to speak about that I will write this on your heart. And I will put it in your mind so now that when I've received that and God is doing this work within me, the Holy Spirit is doing this work in it, I'm actually able to start to live out, declare the excellencies of Christ, live out this kingdom nature. I'm not fighting to try to do this. And this is a completely different way. That's right. That's right. And I think I find in verse 7 really interesting where it says, um, for that, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. And then verse 8, for finding fault with them, he says. Mm. You know? And so it's interesting eh, that he says, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a covenant that's been given, but the fault, he says that the law was always spiritual, but the issue was always that 
that we were of the flesh, you know? And so what he's saying here is that, that there's, a, that there's a, a new and living way, there's a better covenant that wouldn't just have you attempting to try in your own capacity to live for God. He's going to engrave like, like we've heard and give us the, the power and the ability through receiving his word within us to actually live out and live in what it was that he always had us the way that he would always have us living, you know? And so the issue was was that he wanted always from the beginning to do a deep eternal, internal work within our heart, giving us the capacity and ability to live as we never could while just living under the law in a natural way. Hey? So, um, do we have any do we have any like questions from, from what you've heard tonight or heard this morning that, that people want to um, Ask or dialogue about? Is there, is there a, um, a strength that you can find in yourself to be able to press on before these things? Is there a strength that you can find within yourself to press on through that? No. <laughs> well, you can try in your own strength. So in aspect, yes, tr- give it a go in your own strength and you'll come to realise that you'll finally come hopefully to the end of your strength. You know, the question I want to ask you guys is, is, do you think a non-Christian can teach this? Well, they can teach the scripture. Can, yeah, they can. They can't they can. teach the words. Yeah, they can. <laughs> Because I do. <laughs> so a non-Christian can teach this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So a non-Christian get up, study. They can teach the words. Okay. So, so what's the difference between a non-Christian then and a Christian? Must be power. <laughs> well, it's all, isn't it? So anyone can get up and teach words, Christian, non-Christian, but not anyone can get up and preach the word. They're two different realities, two different realms, two different dimensions. And we struggle for that reason because if we don't have a reference for the word, then all you've got is words. And if you're trying to understand through the reference of words, the word, you never, ever come into it. So even what we're talking about now, it's very hard. If you can't see what it is that's been written, there's the chance that you will actually come up with your own understanding of what you're hearing right now. To fully grasp what we're actually saying, you have to have seen it. Because Paul... Well, Paul, but as Sam says, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a very specific finished picture. He's explaining a finished work, not a finishing work, a finished work that he's seen that is finished. So to try and grapple, that's the place you've got to come to. That's the reference you've actually got to have for this stuff. Otherwise, you just come up with your own reference. And you mentally will try to understand everything that's being said. 
and won't go anywhere outside of have a knowledge that you think is life, but it's actually death. Okay? So you'll have knowledge, you'll think that's life, try and live it out, and you'll be found out every time. And that's why it deceives us, because I know something, but it's actually death, painted up as life. Because when I go to live it, I can't. Because it hasn't come from the eternal. It's come from me. You see, really, to get all this, you've got to go back to number one. So the context, although it's eight, is actually one. It's actually in him. In the beginning was who? Him. So our beginning has to be God, not us. Our beginning can't be scriptures. Our beginning can't be our ministry. Our beginning has to be Christ in the beginning. The first, otherwise I'm in position two, three, four, five, and I'm trying to grasp something in position two that I need to be in one for. So I'm empty. And I've got really no idea, even though I'm trying to figure this out. But I'll tell you about by next week you've forgotten it all. Three days, I'll ask you in two days' time, you go, what? Okay. And yet it's the same thing going over and over and over and over. We're saying the same thing differently. As opposed to if you know it, you go, boom. You're not grabbing your notebook. I'm, so I'm, not, I'm not trying to give you a hard time. But you're not grabbing your notebook looking for notes. What did I write? That's the evidence that you don't know it. That's the evidence, the possible evidence, because you can hear it and write your own thing. But it's like when you, oh, no, 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 tell me your name. Uh, hold on a minute. I wrote it down here somewhere in my back of my book. <laughs> Tell me what your phone number is. Tell me about you. Boom, 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 boom. Why? Because I know me. Right. Tell me about him. Boom, 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 boom. Because in the beginning is now my beginning. And so this is the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. You can have a non-Christian and a Christian, and they are the same kind. And the only difference is one's going to heaven and one's going to hell. One is covered, the other one's not. But the in Christ, in the beginning was Christ, is still the person. And that's a... That's a frightening reality. Yes, right? it is. You know, that you could be more unified with a non Christian than you could be with Christ, yet Correct. calling yourself a Christian, right? Because to me I think about like what like what does it mean to be a Christian? It means that you've lost your life for his sake, right? It says if you want to be my disciple, you must you know. And and that I uh, just think about not non Christian living for themselves. Christian if you're living for if you're living for for you, what fellowship does light have with darkness and the in the temple of God with idols? You know, and so it, it is. It's frightening. You know, I, I'd say that's not fully accurate in that God takes us where we're at, but you've got to mature. Okay, so you've got to grow into this full reality. So plenty of Christians have received Christ as their saviour, but have no concept of lordship, no concept of kingship, kingdom, king coming in, establishing his kingdom in my heart and my mind, because he's writing it on my heart and my mind. 
So the king wants to establish his kingdom here and here because I've lost my life. So this whole reality of I pray a prayer, I'm justified by blood, but that's as far as I go. So I'm still the Lord of my life. I'm actually still the king of my domain. I don't relinquish the control of my domain. I hold on to it. Trying to do some good things for God and even trying to enter into this life, but I'm still at the center of me, even though I've just incorporated him into my life. He's not my life. Okay? So just like I incorporated a wife, a child, a job, I incorporate Christ. So he's one of the options in my life. He's just not my life. Can you hear the difference? They are stark difference in the way you live. So that's where every follower has to come into and then grow from that position into the full stature of Jesus Christ individually and then as a body. So then we are priests of a kingdom Revelation 1.6, I bought with my blood people from every nation, tribe and color to be what? Priests. Priests. Of what order? Melchizedek. So you can minister as the Old Testament priest. No, as the New Testament priest now and in the millennial reign and in the future kingdom of heaven on earth. This is where it all goes. It's not earth. We're so earth-bound, earth-focused. All we have eyes for is 80 years here. I've got a year's for eternity. I have eternal. People say to me, you've got a 10-year plan? I say, I've got an eternal one. (laughs) This is 80 years, man. I'm looking infinite. I know who I am in Christ there, which enables me to be it here. But if I can't see there, all I've got is here. I'm a son of Alan and Lillian Simnel, covered by blood. That's about it. So I'm going to live that out. And he's going, no, let me tell you who you are. I've called you for priesthood. I've called you for sonship. I've called you to be a bride. I've called you to be a body. Can you hear the cry of the Father going out? This is who you are. Now, you don't think you're that. You don't even believe you're that. You've got no ears to hear that. So then I come right beside you and work with you in your present. Why don't you believe that, Sam? Meaning the Holy Spirit. Why don't you believe who the Father says you are? Because you've got a mindset in here or here that's robbing you of sins. You've been offended. You've been hurt. You've been. Let me heal you, Sam, so then you can actually come into who I call you to be. He's never addressing your past. He never addresses your past. He's forgiven it. We beat ourselves up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. He goes, oh, can we get past this? You are, you are, you are, you are, you are. Why do you beat yourselves up when I don't? I've forgiven it. Please receive what my son did and stop spitting on his blood. Receive his blood and live. No, I'm not. I'm so thankful he's so patient with me. He tells me I am. I tell him I'm not. What is that saying? I'm God of my life. I don't believe what he says. I'm calling him a liar. And when that hits you through the spirit, you repent. And you break because you realize what you've been doing. 
You're living from your feelings. You're living from your mindset. You're living from your will. He's loving, covering that. He goes, no, come on. This is who you are. Can you hear it? And when you hear it the way he intends, then you believe it. But you'll never believe it till you hear it. See, it's heard, accepted, received, believed, and performs a work. Now I'm not living in my old identity. I'm not saying I'm a loser. I'm not saying I'm not good enough. I'm saying I am good enough. I'm glorified. I'm justified. I've been redeemed. I now live. And we've just started at this point. Then he says, let me show you the kingdom. Let me show you who you're called to be. Royal priesthood. And you proclaim the excellencies as a royal priest into the earth. You minister to the Father and the people. You are this close. Where am I? Seated in heavenly places, aren't I? So do you speak and live as if you're in heaven next to the Father? But where are you right now? That's where I am, even though I'm right in front of you. Thanks, man. To the measure I'm in this. And this is who we've been all called to be. So we are what? Ministers of another kingdom on another kingdom. Overcoming. We're not even looking at the stuff we struggle with because I overcame it through the power of the blood because I came under and gave, or sorry, lost my life. Your life was crap if you're still living for you. You're eating crap, thinking it's life. It's sin. You think it's good because you can't see it. It's killing you. There's nothing in this temporal life. It's... Oh, hell. Do you hear that? Hell, yes. Do you understand? When Paul said life is rubbish, do you know what the word is, Vera? What is the word? Dung. Life was but compared to. Do you know who the man was? Do you know who Saul was in the religious system? Think of the most well-known name in Christianity and go, that's not even close. Not even scraping it compared to who Saul was in the religious system. And the man has an encounter that goes, all that was just, was it scuba <laughs> Scooby, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Compared to knowing the person. What is in the person that's just not knowing Jesus? Like when we say knowing Jesus, we're not just saying knowing Jesus. Do you know every inherited promise is in Jesus? On the revelation of Jesus, I'm going to build me on the revelation of me. So if you have the ability to hear me because I've given you my spirit, when I speak and you hear this eternal word, it builds you and it builds you into my image. Ah, conformed into whose image? His image. What for? Just so I can sing around and raise my hands on the air and go, this is really cool. No, you can be the demonstration of this image on the earth. There's a work to be done. I came to redeem mankind back to the Father. It's called the Father's will. And you are my chosen subjects, ambassadors for this work. So get off your chuff and get into me and start living. 
Stop thinking about getting married and boyfriends and girlfriends and holidays and what you're going It's all dead. Unless I define it. Seek first the kingdom, not that crap. Can you hear me? I'm not saying I'm going to walk away from my marriage. But unless in the beginning is Greg, God, sorry, God, I'm in trouble in that marriage. It's not in the beginning Greg and Danielle. No, in the beginning God that defines Greg and Danielle. Otherwise, I'm out of whack. I'm out of kingdom alignment. If my child is first, I'm out of kingdom alignment. In the beginning was Maddie. No, in the beginning was the word. And the word defines that relationship. So then freedom is able to live on freedom and raise children in freedom, not in bondage. Not in needing a marriage, not in needing a children, not in needing money. Because I'm in a codependent relationship with all those. Because I've been called to reign. <laughs> we got to get it, man. It's unbelievable. I say this. I had no idea of what I've just said 11 years ago. None. <laughs> and I say that in all humility. And I don't care what you think. None. But I did hear, come follow. And I went, okay. And he has revealed everything you just heard. But there's way more. I know way more than what you just said. I'm holding it back. <laughs> you got a little bit more tonight, though, didn't you? <laughs> I'm going to ask questions. I think I've blown the time, bro. I didn't want to talk tonight. I was like, I'm not going to talk. Yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of non, not talking. <laughs> the, I mean, it, it is it's powerful. I think one of the, the key uh, significant parts of this is that, is that very starting point of the revelation of the word. And this afternoon I was just reading some light reading through Revelation. And in it, it talks about the Lord coming, returning, and he has a name no one knows. And then it says that he has a name and he's wearing robes, and he has a name written on, and his name is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. And when we hear that, that if we hear that key significance between the written scriptures and the revelation of the Word of God, then we can, anyone can preach the, the scriptures, the ink on the page, but not anyone can preach the Word only the word can preach the word for me to receive and power this word that then declares of a, a lover. You know, it is a better covenant. Why? Because the old covenant, which was this external rules that were um, for a time, and it was beautiful, it comes with glory, but this new covenant, a better one, is much better glory because it does something that the old one could never do. When we read through into chapter 9, it says it, cleans, it cleanses or clears the conscience. So where there's forgiveness of sins, there's no more need for that offering. And so why is there no more need for that offering? Because that, that conscience is, is cleansed and it's cleared. But I'm still battling the very thing that Greg was just declaring. or Not Greg, Holy Spirit was declaring for us to hear. If I'm struggling with this consciousness of sin, 
I don't recognise or realising I've actually been cleansed. This is the work that's done internal. This is why it's a much better covenant, a much better way, because it works within. It cleanses and clears the conscience of the sin. It doesn't mean that it's not there or that it would never happened. It means that the issue of it is dealt with. Free from it. You know, I mean, there's... I love the way Sam brings out the different things that happened through his life. And this morning it happened at home, not Sam, an issue of life. And I was like, Lord, this is it. And our, our grandson fell off the top bunk. We heard the thump, thump. The moment of quietness throughout the house as everyone went, was that somebody falling off the top bunk? Then comes the squeal. <laughs> yeah, that was. And, you know, we've got like a ladder with a safety rail on it that I'd thought about putting up. I thought, well, no, he's on the bottom bunk. It'll be fine. Well, of course, only if you stay on the bottom bunk. But see, there's a law that puts in place that holds and protects and guards. It'll be wrong. I don't need that, that rail, that guard. But I've learned how to sleep in the top bunk and not fall out. Is there for a purpose, for a reason, a protection, but it's to bring us into a place of freedom where we no longer, having been children, need that, that, um, that leading and that guiding, that we're now free from that and able to live freely, no longer hemmed in. But if I don't know that this new and living way, this better way, has cleansed my conscience, I'm still wrestling with my conscience. And need that revelation of the word of God at work within me. And the one thing that I do know that that comes from is not by hearing this slam at me, but recognizing the intensity and the weight of this word that leads me to the place of a broken heart, a contrite spirit. To be able to receive, Lord, you show me, you're writing this, you write it on my heart, so that I now can live in the law of the kingdom of God. And I'm not struggling with, you gave me beauty for ashes, but I'm just ashes. It makes a mockery of the song. And of what he's actually, what his word says, that the cleared conscience can actually declare, no, I'm beautiful. I don't know what you're saying, but I know this priestly order that was before the order of the law has set me free. And I'm not wrestling with this anymore. That's I think that's, that's what his word does, eh? It, is that it comes to, on to the inside of us. And like we looked at this morning, it saves our soul. You know, it saves our inner realm that we see and think and are motivated by something entirely different than we were before, eh? Um, I feel like there's been probably more, more, more than enough for tonight and next week and then the next month. Uh, so um, we, might, we might save the, uh, the group questions till next week. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> um, does anyone have a, last, a last, last question or anything that they want clarity on? Is it a question or a comment? It's a question? So, Greg, you said earlier um, something really fascinating about the two different kinds. And you said that the kind that's of, the, the, the kind that's of you know, the, the, the priestly hood of Zadok, they were able to 
minister to God. So maybe I'm just not hearing it. Like, could you just like, could, could you even just give me a glimpse of what that means? Like, what it means? Because I'm just sure. like, man, my head's trying to wrap. I understand when God ministers <laughs> to me. Your head, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when when God ministers to me, and then he and then he does a work. But it's like, wow, like they were ministering to God. So I don't know. I'm just man. I'm lost for words on that. Could yeah, you shoot sure. some more? Yep. So put another way, without using the sons of Zadok as an example, there are mature sons and immature sons. Mature sons are of a kind because they're of the same seed. So imagine. It's, it's like the seed is the spirit. So let's say in theory we all receive the seed of the spirit. That doesn't mean we all live and grow in the spirit. We can have the seed and the seed lies dormant and we all just live by the flesh. And let's say Rodney, because I'm looking at Rodney, he knows what it is to live, hear, receive, eat, partake in the spirit. So he becomes a mature son out of all the sons. So he is a kind of priest that understands the kingdom, ministers the way we're called to minister to the Father and to the people in the way of the Father because of a maturity, because he's growing, seeing, living. So his life is an actus right, the actus right of the saints. His life is righteousness where mine's not. So I don't live a life of righteousness. He does. Because he knows what it is to live in a right alignment because he's mature and I'm not. So there's ten virgins, correct? How many are foolish and how many are wise? So there's, they're all virgins, but there's two groups, foolish and wise. Okay? There are these people who get talents, yes? All waiting for the one master. So they're all of the same kind of master. What happens to, the one, what happens to two that doesn't happen to one? doesn't receive the reward because he buries one and the other two use it. So same people group, two different kinds in the same people group. Okay? So just like the Zadoks, they were, they were of Israelite descent, but they actually were separated. So the Bible says, uh, this is Paul, Paul says to the Corinthians, I'm not surprised that there's division among you. I'm not surprised because you guys, some of you are spirit and some of you are flesh. There has to be, so the approved come out of the body. Because God is looking for a first fruits kind of people. Is he not? Did we not read that this morning? He is looking for, because he was the first fruit of the new kind, correct? So when he fulfilled it all, he was a, a, a priest of a first fruit kind. He was not of the order of the Levite. He came out of what tribe? Judah. Judah. Has there ever been a priest come out of Judah? No. So he's of an order of Melchizedek out of a tribe of Judah, which is a first kind. But there were all these other kinds. Were they wrong? No. But this is a first fruit. So we are called to be of a first kind, Christ-like. But that doesn't mean we mature like that. That doesn't mean we live like that on earth. We can live for ourselves on earth, and we will receive the reward of that. So you have to grasp the magnitude. There is a reward on offer. The gift is justification. The reward is not. And so this also takes us into the future kingdom as well. So that's all I mean by that, is that there are mature Christians and there are immature Christians. Immature Christians will not receive the reward that mature Christians receive because they haven't lived the life. Why am I going to reward you with a prize that you never live for? 
that you never pressed on for. I have not arrived today. Paul said, I press on so I'm not disqualified myself. What's the man disqualified for when he's been made perfect and whole? The reward of the inheritance to rule and reign with Christ in the future millennial kingdom because he wants to be part of the first resurrection of the dead and not be asleep with everybody else. See, if we don't have the kingdom of heaven, meaning the thousand-year reign, revelation, none of this stuff makes sense. You go, well, where, where do I place that stuff? You place it in that future kingdom because that's what he's talking about when he writes. Because it doesn't make any sense that there's a reward of salvation meaning as a gift. A prize gift. Why is there a judgment seat? Judgment for what when I'm being made right? Your works. Not your fleshly works. Righteous acts of the saints because you got in me you knew who you were and you lived as I lived on earth. He is looking for his exact representation on earth. We, you and I are supposed to love one another like God. I don't think we get the seriousness of this. Paul said, in fear of the Lord, I persuade you because the judgment is coming for the reward. Out of the fear of the Lord, I'm a crazy man. That many don't get, but I love you, so I will preach this word and tell you what's in him. In the hope that you will, through the power of what's being released, will pierce your heart. You'll wake up and you'll go, oh my goodness, I've been called for greatness. So if the first commandment is to love God with all, and the second is to love people like God, and I can't, then why do I think I'm going to be the bride? Like, What part of me thinks that I'm going to be the bride if I can't live as the bride? Like if I'm committing adultery with my wife, oh, that's all good, is it? You're all happy with that, ladies, eh? Is my wife happy with that? No. Now, she may love me and not break covenant with me, Sound familiar? Someone loves me that's not going to break covenant with me. Am I breaking covenant with him? Is he patient, long-suffering, not holding a wrong, not jealous? The fact that I've got 10 other women in my life, lovers, whatever they are, sport, money, people, children, and he's covering me, hoping one day, all things, I'm going to hear a word that I'm going to turn and realize what I'm doing. What on earth thinks I'm going to be the bride of Christ if I don't live as the bride of Christ? If I am an adulterous bride, you seriously think he wants to take me into the new covenant, into the new millennium with him? And what am I doing while I'm here representing him if I say I love him? I'm misrepresenting him. Man, how great is this love that he doesn't destroy me? He did in the Old Testament. But it's a new day. Thank you. But I am the same as them. Are we hearing that this, guys? Ah, this should take you home tonight. Get on your knees and start praying. Okay? This is the type of response. I'm trying to be real, like, keep it together. Okay? Inside, I'm like somewhere. I'm, you know, it's like... Because I know this is not frustration. Okay? I am not frustrated. Okay? 
I'm just on fire. And when the fire hits you and you start speaking, you try to put it out. When you know things that's for your brothers and sisters and you know that they're looking at you like, and you know they're not hearing you, it's like, oh, Lord, help. Reveal, reveal, reveal. Because unless they hear it, they're just going to live. And I don't want my brothers and sisters to just live the lives that they've always lived. I want them to experience what I've experienced because I love them and, and I want to be one with them and I want to glorify you through being part of a body. So not only do I want it for me, but I want it for you so we can be in a body that glorifies him so the lost world will know he was sent for them through our oneness and it's fully possible, but I've only got another 30, maybe 35 years here and I don't know if I'm ever going to be part of it and see it. But I can see it so in all things. I hope for it because I'm not looking at what I see. I'm looking at what I see. And I've seen her. And I've seen it be a reality here. So I've got to live for that. Otherwise, I'll give up tomorrow. And it's got to be heard. Do you understand? It's, it's a hearing of another dimension through a power that requires a seeking. Not just, oh, that was an interesting chat. Got a bit motivated for all the five minutes. And then, yeah. It's got to grab you. Now, I can't do it. Sam can't do it. None of us can do it. And so we've got to speak in a way that it has power. It's like it has the ability to cause offense. And it has the ability to bring you into life. So I've just released, and we're releasing a fragrance okay, of the knowledge of God. Of what is within God. Now when you go, what's the aroma? You know, I hope in your heart it's like, what a beautiful aroma. But I'm not sorry, I'm fully aware that if the flesh is there. And the same kind in James and John. You don't know what kind of spirit you're of. Can you see the difference there? So if, if you respond like, then although we have the potential to be the same, we're not at the same right there, are we? Because let's just say Ethan goes, hey man, brother, oh my goodness, I've been waiting for this word. You've both heard your mates and you've both acted completely the opposite. You want to come and rip my head off and he's like saying thank you. Now we're all to be of the same kind. We all go yes and amen. So what's coming out of someone, if it is the word, when they're provoked like that, it's your flesh. And that's holding you back because you've heard it through your mind and it's activated something in your mind, not in your spirit. And the mind, meaning the flesh, is anti the spirit. So now we're in opposition, but we're supposed to be one. And if we don't get that sorted out, we're actually going to be in opposition. And we live opposed. We're not one. So let's be honest. We're not one. We're not in fellowship. So how do you think we're going to receive the life of fellowship, which is what John says at the back of 1 John, when he invites everyone to have fellowship, because they don't. But they're laying their lives down so there can be oneness, because fellowship is oneness of spirit. I pray that they would be one so a lost world would know, because they're in fellowship, that I was sent. It's the same thing in every book, and it brings you back to the same place, which is what? 
him. Know me. It's simple, but it is profoundly deep. And so we all have to be able to hear a word that is not in the seen realm. It comes from the invisible realm into your realm. Jesus was the unseen one, yes? But could you eat with him? Could you touch him? Could you hear him in the natural? But could you hear him in the spirit? Could they see him in the spirit? Did they partake of the spirit? They're walking, sleeping right beside him going, do you know who he is? I know the scriptures say he's the Messiah and that we found him. And next minute we're like, who is he? Well, I thought you said you found him because the scriptures said, didn't you? We found the one. Then why are you asking who he is? Because unless you find him from the unseen, you know about him, but you don't know him. If you don't know him, you can't live as him. And he's there with them, is he not? He did not leave them, did he not? He did not forsake them. He loved them. Even when they were acting like absolute clowns representing him. He was, doesn't love cover? What? One sin? A multitude of sin. He's covering them. What's he doing? Believing, hoping, enduring, not holding a wrong. What? That they would come into all that he said they were. Oh my goodness, it doesn't get any better than this. It's a guarantee, written in blood. Don't throw it away. Don't just know what you know and go, I've got enough. Because I know I don't yet know as I ought to know. Because this tells me in 1 Corinthians, and it tells me he also knows who loves him and who doesn't within his family, not non-Christians. If you love If you love another, you are not worthy of me. He's not talking about non-Christians. If you love yourself, you're not worthy of what? The inheritance. I love you. I've cleansed you. I've made you worthy. But you are not worthy of the inheritance because you don't love me. And I know you don't. You're the only one who doesn't because you think you do. Why? Because you do things for me, but I'm not asking for things for me. I'm wanting your heart. And you've given it to your wife, your kid, your sport, your this, your that. You have broken and I am what? Incorporated into one-eighth of your heart. You've got a broken heart. It's a divided heart. I'm just an eighth of you. I want to be... All, if you don't love me with all, you're loving others. And I'm trying to, he's trying to say to you, there's a marriage covenant. It's a marriage covenant. It's a marriage covenant. It's not about seeking lost people first. It's a marriage covenant. It's a marriage covenant. Are you faithful to the marriage covenant from the end to the beginning in the middle? Are you faithful? Are you obedient? Are you faithful? Are you, I love you. I love you. Will you love me? Will you love me? It's two way, is it not? He's telling us in blood the greatest thing of my heart is you love me with all. But if you can't see it, hear it the way I'm preaching it, you'll go, yeah, I know, Greg. And then you'll love you. 
It won't be enough for you to change because you can't change you, see? You need the substance that's coming out of my spirit right now and it needs to hit your spirit because it's the divine word that performs a work which enables you to relinquish all those idols that you've got in your heart and love them. Isn't that what the Thessalonians happen? They received the word and what? Power, Holy Spirit, full conviction in the word. They turned, dropped their idols, served the living God. All like that and became imitators of God. What, through their choices? No, they received the divine word of God and power, the word, Holy Spirit, full conviction. When you receive it, it's the innate thing to do. You don't go, oh, I need to serve the Lord. It's like, I serve the Lord. Do you understand what I'm trying to it's, it's one. The whole thing is a position of one. It's not even a choice. It goes beyond choice. You don't mentally go, hmm, let me pray about this, Sam. Let me, uh, what, what's the cost involved? What's the cost if I do this? The cost of my, no, the word does such a work, it becomes so innate to just live. It goes beyond the mind first. When your heart captures it, you're able to love stuff that your head can't figure out. Why am I doing this? That's how I came into God. Why am I here? I don't know. But I know I need to be and I'm here. I don't know why. It's crazy. Why are my hands in there? Put your hands down. Why are my hands in there? Put your hands. Why am I giving my... I don't know. What's going on? You with me? Your body is able to do things and your head's going, why are you doing that? Don't be an idiot. Put your hand down. Put your hand down. That looks weird. And you're doing it because there's someone in you, a substance called the word controlling you for good, not bad. And out of you is coming this demonstration. Then when the mind catches up because the spirit renews it, it's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. now I know. Now I can even speak this thing. So before that, I'm bumbling through. I don't even know what it is. And all of a sudden, now you see it. Now I can be, speak the word. In the beginning, God spoke. So the word I'm to speak is the word he would speak. So if he speaks a word in all creation, bang, and I speak that same word and it hits creation, bang. You understand? It creates life. Whose life? Christ's life in us. So I'm just able now to walk in the manner Jesus walked. Not even thinking about it because my mind's been renewed to it. It's just the brand new way of being. And it's for you. But it doesn't just come like a lolly packet. You know what I mean? You can't just go, wow, that was an amazing talk. It's an amazing And leave it there. You've got to get on your knees and you've got to start crying out. Do you know how long it was for me? 18 months. Daily seeking, praying, asking. Grappling. Now, I have the advantage of you guys pay my salary, which is lovely, so I've got time. So what you've got, the greatest deal if you can get it, I tell you. But what you've got is I've had time for this, but you know what? You have the same amount of time too, so don't let that as an excuse. Because I guarantee you, if I looked at your life, what you're giving your time to would maybe be your husband, your kids, your TV, your sport. So we have time. It's just what we're doing with the time and do we value the time and do we value what we've just heard? Because it won't just turn up. Why? Because he's looking for her. So he's concealed it for a purpose. Because he knows 
out of all his children, she will come. Because she will be the one that loves him. And if you love him, you will seek him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It has not entered the heart of man all that God has already prepared for those who love him. And it comes through hell. How does that come to those? Say yeah, but yeah, but what's what's the more appropriate? Who's the one that's gonna actually open it up? The spirit. So how do you get it? People say, How do, how do, how do, Holy Spirit? No, 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 no. How do, how do, Holy Spirit? No, no, give me the four step plan. I just did. It's one step, it's called Holy Spirit. No, that's not it. Well, sorry, but that's what that says. It says that those who love them through the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is revealing everything that's hidden, that God has prepared. What happens when you think you get that within you, when he writes that on your heart? Mate, you you change, you're on fire, you can't sit down. Then you have to figure out how to not be a madman and try and handle this thing because it's the word that builds creation and it's building you, which is sharper than a double-edged sword. So now I've got a sword. Right? You're really going to cut your head off. Oh, didn't mean to, sorry. I just got excited one night and went, bleh! Okay? Because what's in you is the same thing that built creation. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's being formed in you because the great mystery that Paul saw was Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is not just a little seed form. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, I'm in labor again until Christ is formed in you. So if it was a one-off deal and you're done, then why has he written half the scriptures about sanctification? Because it's not. He's in you. He's forming in you. He's going to build himself in you. Now, when you get built in the image of God and God is in you, do you think you can live like Jesus? Yes. Do you think you can keep the commandment of God? Yes. So what he says becomes your reality. Yes. You know that freaks the church out? Do you know why? Because we are happy with mere affirmation of words. We're happy with the reality that we're not in. Breaks his heart. He wasn't. He said and lived. We're happy just saying. We're happy getting up here and just teaching what we know. Let me teach you everything I know, but I can't live it. And we're happy with that. And we honor that. We give people certificates for that. And we bow down, go, oh, the teacher, oh, the teacher, the great man of God. The great man of God can't live it, but we call him the great man of God. Why? Because we put them up because other ones scare us. When the one turns up who doesn't have anything, but he lives something, and he gets right in your face and says, man, I love you, but you know, that's not it, eh? You know, that's not it. That's just a form of godliness, but let me share what this is at. And then let's walk together. Now, you won't be able to copy this, but you'll have to imitate it, which means you've got to get in Christ. I'm going to lead you to the Father, not into works. I'm not going to lead you how to do stuff. I'm going to lead you into fellowship. And along the way, you might not want to walk with me because it's going to get a bit scary. Because that form you're in is going to have to come down. Do you want to come? Mm, I don't know. What's it going to cost? Don't ask. 
And this is why he was killed, because he came down in the form of the real and spoke. But he demonstrated something. And that's what we're to. So it ain't about what you know, it's about what you can live. But we honour what we know in the mind, because that's knowledge and that's power. Isn't that how the world operates? We elevate those people because they have knowledge. But they don't necessarily have wisdom and able to live wisdom out. Correct? And so if there's a gap between that, God wants to close that gap. So what you say and what you live is the same thing. You say you love, can you love? You say I love God with all my heart. He's looking. He knows. Doesn't he? He might be the only one who knows, but he knows. So if he knows and you're standing before him, You might want to get that change so when you stand before him, he knows and you know you did. Didn't Paul say, I know I'm getting the crown of righteousness? Is that arrogance or humility? So Paul knows he's getting the crown of of righteousness, the crown of arrogance. (laughs) Why does he know? Because he's lived the life of righteousness and he knows he has. Now, you either hate that and think, you arrogant son of a gum. But we don't. Do you know why we don't? Because it's written in here. But what if I turn up and say, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Whoa, hold on a minute. No, no. It's written in the book. What's your issue? Well, it's written in the book, and your name's not written in the book. It's Paul. Yeah, but I'm to be imitating Paul as he imitates. So if I do and I'm comfortable and I'm confident of where I'm at and I say it, what's your issue? Now, if you're in humility, you don't have an issue. But if you're in pride, you do. Oh, it sounds like a cult, Greg. Yeah, I know. I know it does. It's really close too. It's real close. Yeah, and the enemy knows how close it is between a cult and the real church. Why do you think cults have started? Why do you think men start well and go astray? Because they actually don't walk with others. And they believe some of the stuff that the church says, oh, the man of God, the man of God. And they start believing their own hype. But there's a reality in here where what we say must be what we live, otherwise we're hypocrites. So don't say it if you don't live it. Why? Because it's a safeguard for you. It's a safeguard for him, and it's a safeguard for the hearer. Because you're not misrepresenting the one you say you love and you know. Because you know why? They know you're not. So authenticity is just being real, isn't it? It's not trying to paint something you're not. It's just saying, I ain't got it all together. I'm figuring out too. Maybe let's walk together and we'll figure it out together. Because I do know one who does know something, and he'll guide us as we go. But the challenge is it's built on a knife edge. God knows that. The enemy knows that. Do we know that? I said this morning, I think, and this is the last thing, is that oneness is where the true battle lies. It's not in people not going to hell. There's still a battle for that, but I believe the true battle is for true oneness with God and one another So a lost world knows something because that's her.
Father, we just thank you for your incredibleness and your incredible love that covers and builds and restores and heals. It creates life where life wasn't. It brings to life things that are concealed. It restores, it reforms. Your word, your son and his words, do what they were sent to do. They build a church where the gates of Hades don't overpower. They build a people by faith built on a substance called your son. And Lord, we've declared massive things tonight. We're wrestling for massive things as a family. We're not happy with just this message of salvation or justification, Father. We want the full kingdom message which the Son brought with him. But he brought it in seed form. He spoke in parables so those who were destined to hear would and those that couldn't wouldn't. Because he was looking for a kind of people, his own possession set apart, wholly consecrated by the blood of the Lamb. A people who would love him, firstly, would know him, would love one another and be family. For you are Father and we are sons. Family, not an organization, Father. Not a business model. But a family that love one another more than we love the physical. Because our first is spirit. And then a family that would reign with you govern with you, administer your kingdom on earth now and in the future and in the new heaven and the new earth. Lord, you're calling us out of Egypt. You've called us out of Egypt and Egypt out of us. And you're infusing your word in us, in our hearts, in our minds. You are literally writing like you wrote on the tablets and they had glory you are writing on our hearts that we have glory. That we would be the manifestation of that glory on this earth. It would confuse the angelic realm. It would confuse the earth. But it makes full sense to you. So Father, tonight, I just thank you for what's been said through your spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that we have been activated within us to turn to seek, ask, and knock, and that you would bring us into everything that we have not yet heard, seen, or had written on our heart, that we may be one as you are one. We ask this through our beautiful Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a good week, guys.